Hey everyone, my name is Jason Parker, and I want to welcome you to the Coastal Church Podcast. I'm super excited for you to hear this message. We believe that God wants to speak to us, and we hope that you're open to hear what he has to say to you today. Enjoy. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, It is becoming clear every day that the most urgent problem besetting our church is this. How can we live the Christian life in the modern world? Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, Jesus started his ministries with the word, repent and believe in the gospel. And so today we get to land the plane on this sermon series we've been working through, and it's called The Way. And we've been talking about the Jesus way. We've been singing about every single week the Jesus way. And so as we kind of talked about how do we follow the Jesus way, it starts with repenting. And repentance is this, is this old word that we have that often has a lot of negative baggage attached to it, but we learned that repentance is actually means a change of perspective. It means a change. And we learned that repentance is actually a good thing. It, it leads us to blessing. It's actually a good thing. God blesses us, the scripture teaches us, by turning us away. And, we're, and, and repentance isn't just merely a turning from, but maybe more importantly, it's a turning to. It's turning to the Jesus way, and more importantly, maybe turning to Jesus the person. And so we learned about repentance and how that gets us braced up and ready for the Jesus way. Last week, we talked about belief. If you listened on the podcast, um, and just for the record, Len's good. He was at my house on Thursday, for some of you that were here last Thursday. Um, and we talked about belief. And so we talked about this idea of, of believing. And last week, I talked about how um, there's this uh, psycho- psychologist named James Fowler, and a theologian, and he talked about this idea that whatever we believe is our reason for existence on this planet, we will build our entire lifestyle around that reason. So the answer to the qu- your question, why on earth am I here, your answer to that question, you will build your entire lifestyle around what you believe that to be true. And we talked a little bit about how Jesus wants us to repent even of some things that we believe because ultimately our reason for existence is him. And we talked about this idea of acknowledged truth and applied truth. We talked about how, you know, acknowledging truth, things like we should exercise. How many of us in this room would agree it's probably not a bad idea to exercise? Amen? All right. And the the second part of that, applied truth, is now... How many of us exercise, right? Or like the concept of like, it's a really good idea to follow a monthly budget. Amen? Amen. Now, how many follow a monthly budget? So we had this contrast between acknowledge truth, yep, it's a good idea, to because it's a good idea, therefore, I'm going to live this way. Apply truth and acknowledge truth. Now, we use the example of budget, though it's legit, budgeting and exercise and food, all that sort of stuff. We talked a little bit about, you know, the kingdom way that Jesus describes in the Sermon on the Mount. Things like forgiveness. Things like reconciliation. Things like praying and fasting. And all the Jesus way that is described in the Sermon on the Mount and throughout Jesus' teaching. Most of us would say when we read Jesus' teaching, yep, that's a good idea. It's a good idea to forgive. It's a good idea to reconcile. It's a good idea to not be angry and not lust and do all these things 
but to live the Jesus way and experience in particular the blessing of living the Jesus way, we need to not just acknowledge, yes, it's true and I believe it, but we actually have to apply it to our lives. Does that make sense? In order for us to experience the blessing of building our lives on the rock of Jesus, we have to live out the new lifestyle that Jesus identifies. We actually have to follow Jesus with our lifestyle. A lot of my friends have, uh, have started running, um, or people that have run before have actually gotten big time into running. And so um, Brett actually, uh, who's here playing bass tonight for us, he, uh, he encouraged me to download this app called Strava. And Strava is this, you can do biking and all different kinds of things, but a lot of runners use the Strava app. And it's an interesting app you can download on your phone or have it on your watch or whatever. And it's this app that um, tracks all your running, your pace, how quick you do a kilometer, for instance, how many kilometers that you run. And it's really cool because you can follow other people. Matter of fact, there's a weekly leaderboard I just learned about tonight. And it shows you, out of all the people that follow you and yourself, who has run the most kilometers, and so I'm following all these people that are running, and all these people are following me back. Um, and so I've you know, got this app. I'm part of the group. Matter of fact, I have my own group. It's called South Shore Running. Oh, yeah. Part of the group. I got the running shoes. I got the running shorts. I got all the stuff I need for running. But here's the problem. I haven't run a single kilometer since I downloaded the app. <laughs> Not a single step. I'm following a whole bunch of people, seeing all the progress, seeing how good they're doing. Brett ran 73 kilometers this month, or this week. I don't know what it was. This week? This week. Yeah. Yeah. 73 kilometers. Guess how many kilometers I ran, guys? Man. You know where I'm going, right? No, you don't sound like you know where I'm going. We can be part of the church. We can follow all the right people. We can even appear like we're following Jesus in an active relationship, but there's this really practical, rubber meets the road, intentional, active part of our lifestyle where we actually follow Jesus. And so we talked about repent, getting ready for, we talked about believing in Jesus, but tonight we're going to talk about what does it actually mean to follow, and you guys all get really quiet. Because I think you're feeling the tension of like, oh, right. There is a practical, active part in my relationship with God that I just can't have the app. I just can't follow a bunch of people. It actually means something to my lifestyle. And so a really important question for us to kind of raise tonight is, what does it actually mean for us in our lifestyle to follow Jesus? And let's look 
So Jesus announced his ministry in Mark chapter one, verse 14 and 15, says, repent and believe in the gospel. In the very next verse, Jesus starts his ministry. And the very first thing that Jesus does to start his ministry is he invites a whole bunch of people, in particular, these specific disciples, to come and follow him. So we have in our passage tonight, Mark chapter one, verses 16 to 20. This is what the Bible says. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him, which is crazy. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the higher servants and followed him. So let's set the stage for what's happening in this passage of scripture. So the disciples were on the Sea of Galilee getting ready to go fishing. And the Sea of Galilee is like a really, really large lake. It's like 11 kilometers long, 20 kilometers wide in the kind of biggest spots. And it's surrounded by mountains all around. Some have steep mountains and some have smaller slopes where some communities are. But it's kind of like, that's kind of what we're looking at in terms of a picture. And it's really interesting, like they've found a boat from the first century that was stuck in the mud when the sea levels went down, from the very first century that fishermen like these disciples would have actually used. And so these fishermen were on the shore of the Sea of Galilee mending their nets. They were getting braced up to go fishing. And so that's kind of what's happening here in this passage of scripture. They're working on their nets to get ready to go. They're working. It's very similar to those of you that work on your pots to get ready to go lobstering. It's kind of getting ready to go do the thing that to make, to make a living, to make an income, to do the thing you do all the time. And so what ends up happening is, it's like that's regular life. That's just stuff that just goes on. But something very unusual happens here in the text. They're doing their regular everyday lifestyle and someone is about to step on the scene and totally disrupt their lifestyle, totally change their way of living. And so Jesus comes on as a rabbi, and he says the words to these disciples, come follow me. Which is really interesting, because in Jewish times, you were usually selected. You usually kind of gone, go to the rabbi that you wanted to learn under, you learned under them, and all of a sudden, you became their protege. But in this instance, Jesus steps on the scene and says, I want you, come and follow me. You'd think that it was a pick me, pick me, pick me kind of deal, or like, a draft in a sports league. You show up in an arena and you get picked. But it's like Jesus knocks on the door of the professional athlete and says, no, I want you. That's what happens here in this passage of scripture. And I think it's amazing that the grace of God pursues us. He comes after us when we're not going after him. And he wants us. Like him, us joining the team is his idea and it's not ours. And so that's what we see happen in this passage of scripture before, as Jesus says these words, come and follow me. So what did Jesus truly mean when he said, follow, follow me? There's a few things I want to say from the scripture. The first thing is the disciples' reaction to that command. They say, the scripture says, immediately they left. Following Jesus requires action. Following Jesus is about being obedient. It's about movement. It's about 
lifestyle. How many times in the last few weeks maybe have you heard the word lifestyle? Because being a follower of Jesus is so much more than just saying you're a Christian. It's living the Jesus way. It's living in such a way that your lifestyle glorifies God and that leads to blessing in your life. It's active. Jesus shifted their lifestyle from fishing for fish instead of with their lifestyle fishing for men. There was this active part, and it was very specific to them. I love this part about God's plan for each and every one of you. God has a specific, unique plan for each and every one of you that is tied into his greater mission. And God wants to use you as a kingdom catalyst to be used as you follow Jesus, to reach the people that are in your sphere of influence. God wants you to play an active role not passive, and not procrastinating. If you read through Mark's gospel, all through the 16 chapters, you'll see the word immediately come up over and over and over again. It moves really, really quick. And starting off here in chapter one, Mark talks about uh, the disciples' reaction to Jesus was the word immediately. It wasn't, Lord, I'm just gonna think about that for a little bit. Let me sleep on it. It wasn't like, I'm gonna text you later, Jesus. I'll let you know what's on the agenda. No, for some strange reason. This is bizarre. Like, it's not bizarre to see Jesus act this way. To me, it's bizarre the disciples reacted this way. The scripture says immediately. They weren't passive, and they didn't put it off. Immediately, they responded. I don't know about you, but I can be passive. Or I, how many people in this room can be procrastinators, put stuff off? Yeah, I'll get around to it. I know I'm like that. Seriously, let's be honest. But the disciples' response was immediate. Yep, let's go. Drop my nets. Stop fixing my pots. I'm going. Leaving everything behind. And it wasn't just like, all right, I'll get back to that tomorrow. It was like, no. Jesus was calling them to an entirely different lifestyle. Now, God has this way of specifically calling us individually. Taking us step by step. But there's an active part to it. There's an active part that Jesus is specifically calling you too. Because they couldn't follow Jesus and stay there on their nets. They couldn't, like, they couldn't just acknowledge, yeah, Lord, following you is a great idea. See you next year. Or Lord, like, yeah, like, maybe later. They couldn't, like, keep working on their nets and follow Jesus. The invitation was there. They actually had to follow Jesus they actually had to remove themselves from their nets physically and go and physically follow Jesus because following Jesus requires action. The scripture says immediately they left their father. Following Jesus requires risk. You see, them leaving their father meant they were leaving their security of provision. It's as if and this would make sense in our context here, it's like you're leaving the company. That's what was happening here. They left their nets and they followed after Jesus. It was as if they were leaving their company. And I just can't imagine that. Like, I can't imagine how difficult that would have been. And you're like, you'd think that there was this big, long process of like, but the response to the disciples, the scripture says, was immediate. So here's what I believe as I was sitting in the text these last few days. I believe that God has been working in the life of these four disciples that were called by Jesus over a period of time. 
Think back to John the Baptist. John the Baptist's role in the New Testament was to get people ready for the coming of Jesus. And the scripture teaches us, as we kind of dig into the scripture, the Bible teaches us that most of the Jewish people believe that John the Baptist was a, pre- was a prophet sent from God. So most of them actually believe John the Baptist's message. And what was John the Baptist's message? Repent, for someone is coming that is greater than I. They believed that the Messiah was going to come and offer an entirely different way to live. And guess who likely heard the message from John the Baptist and prepared? They turned from their own lifestyle, and they were just waiting. They were waiting to adopt a new way, a kingdom way, the Jesus way. And so when Jesus stepped on the scene and said, come and follow me, there was no hesitation. It was immediate. They risked it, and they made the decision to follow Christ. You see, and here's the deal. God has been actively working in your life, moment by moment, circumstance by circumstance, to bring you to the point where you make the conscious decision, I'm not going to live a lifestyle that builds my kingdom, but I'm going to make the conscious choice to live a lifestyle that builds yours. God is actively doing that in your life right now to bring you to the point where you can fully adopt, go all in, and accept the Jesus way but there is risk involved. Like, the disciples didn't know what that future held. And that's why it's called faith. They were confident and certain that following this Jesus, even though it was all kinds of unknown details, they were convinced that this was the right way, that this was the good way. And so they followed. They went all in. But with following Jesus, there's this unknown. There's this lots of things we just don't know. And God in his wisdom doesn't disclose to us all the plans he has for us. And so there's this risk involved. Like, if I were to tell you, come follow me for the next three years, and we were going on a road trip, how many of y'all would sign up? Some of you are crazy like me and would say, yeah, I'm going. The rest of y'all would be like, nope, I'm good. Well, that's, I mean, I use that to be facetious and funny, but like for the disciples, I mean, Jesus didn't map out for them all what they would would entail. Like 11 of them, of the disciples were martyred for their faith. Like, and God in his wisdom doesn't disclose to us the full plan for lots of different reasons. The first reason I would argue is that there are ways that God wants to use you that would absolutely blow your mind and you would disqualify yourself. Like the plans God has for your life and how he wants to work in and through your life. We read that verse earlier tonight. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or imagine through his power at work in you. If God were to disclose to you fully right now how he wants to work in and through your life, some of us would disqualify ourselves. And so God in his wisdom, as we step out to follow him, doesn't lay it all out for us. And some of us may struggle a little bit with pride, if we're being honest. If God were to disclose for us the ways in which um, he would use us, some of us struggle with insecurity, but some of us struggle with pride. And so God doesn't disclose it fully to us because we would maybe get puffed up with pride. God in his wisdom usually shows us the next step as we are following him. Maybe the next few. 
But it's this journey in relationship with Jesus where there's always this risk of the unknown. I don't know, Lord, but my eyes are you. It's like Moses said, I don't know what to do, Lord, but my eyes are on you. And rarely do you get to have opportunity to figure it all out before you jump out and trust in Jesus. That's why it's called faith. The scripture teaches us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In other words, it's this idea that you're assured, even though you can't see it, you are assured that this thing is going to happen. You're convicted, or in other words, you're convinced in the deepest part of your being of this unseen thing. And the unseen thing in our lives is this. God has a plan for each and every one of our lives that we all can't see, but we believe, we, are becoming, we come to believe, or we're coming to believe, that God has a great plan for our lives. He loves us, even though we can't see what that looks like. But by faith, by this sense of assurance in this God, we're making the conscious choice that we're going to turn from living a lifestyle that builds our own kingdom and we're going to turn to adopt and accept and embrace the lifestyle that Jesus offers to each and every one of us because we believe it's good, because we believe it's right, and because ultimately living the Jesus way leads to incredible blessings in and through our lives. God wants you to live the Jesus way because he wants to bless you and he wants to bless others through you. That's his motive. It's not to control you. It's not to manipulate you. It's because he loves you and he loves every single person that's in your circle of influence. He is so motivated to get you to follow his way because he is just waiting to use you to bless people. And he maps out for us very specifically in the scriptures how to actually walk that out. Sometimes I think we think following Jesus is this big, obscure thing that we've got to, like, like, that's up there in the sky, but it's just, it's the practical things. It's loving your enemies. It's praying for those who hate you. It's loving people as yourself. It's, that's the Jesus way, and that leads to blessing. But there is risk involved. It's hard to live the Jesus way. That's why Jesus said to count the cost. You see, oftentimes we experience, uh, we want the experience of blessing of living the Jesus way. Like, if I ask you guys a question here tonight, how many of us want God's blessing on our lives? Most of us would say, yeah, I want blessing. I want God's blessing on my life. But in order for us to experience the fullness of God's blessing in our lives, He has to reorder our lifestyle into the Jesus way. Do you see that? And that's the part where we dig our heels in and we're reluctant. Make no mistake, God wants to bless you. He really does. He loves you. But the key catalyst to bringing blessing into your life is actually his reordering of your lifestyle. That's what's going to bring the blessing. When you actually walk as Jesus walked, when you actually do the things he instructs and commands us to do, when you follow the Jesus way. And so following Jesus requires reordering. 
But there's good news here. And I know some of you are kind of, when we get to this point of actually rubber meets the road, a lot of us kind of tense up. A lot of us are like, man, I want the blessing of God, but I know what it's going to cost to follow Jesus. It's going to be really hard. And make no mistake, following Jesus is no cakewalk. But here's what I love about our Jesus. This isn't just an empty religion. This isn't this thing where you jump through hoops. Following Jesus, you have a relationship with Jesus. He's your friend, the scripture says. We are the friends of God. So we have this relationship with God. And in this journey of following Jesus, Jesus sets the pace. And he sets a kind and compassionate pace for all of us individually. He knows when we need to rest spiritually. He knows when we need to stretch spiritually. He knows when our run day is supposed to be our run day. Like the app in my phone, if I want to run a marathon, which I'm not planning to do anytime soon, it will literally map out for me a plan for months of what days I should run, what days I shouldn't run, all the different kinds of runs, sprinting, slowing down, a long run, a a pushing run, a rest day. It will literally map out for me months in advance what I need to do to run a marathon. And in a similar way, Jesus on your spiritual journey knows how to individualize and walk with you and set pace for you in a way that doesn't crush you. In a way that helps you step by step of the way grow in your relationship with him and grow in following him. But it's this process he'll take you on of reordering your lifestyle. And so much of that So much of that happens as we kind of continue to follow Jesus. And it's crazy because if you look at the fishermen, their life was ordered. They had this lifestyle mapped out. They fix their nets. They go fishing. They sell their fish. They do their thing. And they just do that over and over again. You really become like specialized or an expert in that. I know how to do that. It's like many of you in this room. You know fishing. You know what it takes. You know all the ins and outs of it. And then all of a sudden, this rabbi steps on the scene and says, yeah, I want you to leave that entire lifestyle. I'm going to show you and teach you a brand new way. I don't know about you, but I like knowing stuff. Not in like a pride or arrogant way. I like knowing what to do. I like being in situations where I'm comfortable because I know what to do. Like I like playing hockey and I like knowing where my position is and and, and, and those kinds, because it gives me a certain level of confidence I'm confident when I'm in situations and scenarios where I know what to do. But these disciples were all of a sudden take from their expert, specialized role as being a fisherman to not knowing anything. It's as if with their lifestyle, they went to grade primary. That's a really humbling thing. Because instead of being a fisherman, all of a sudden they were students. Learning from this rabbi what it looked like to live the Jesus way. And so much of that learning that they learned happened on the way. There's a, there's, a, there's a word called peripatetic, and it means teaching and walking at the same time. And as you look through the Gospels, oftentimes Jesus would teach while he was walking. There would be someone come up and get healed from him on the way to somewhere else, and he would stop and take time, and he would do ministry, but oftentimes he would teach his disciples. The scripture says, as they were walking to such and such a place, he would teach He was active. As they were following him, he was teaching them on the journey. And one thing I love about God is this. 
in your regular lifestyle, God wants to teach you in relationship with him as you're going through your nine to five. As you're going through life at home, as you're going through every aspect of your life, you have a relationship with God. And he wants to teach you as you journey through life with how to live the Jesus way. And as you make that decision to follow, you're going to be having lots of circumstances and situations to say, now I've decided to follow Jesus. I used to respond this way when this stuff would come up in my lifestyle. Now, Lord, what should I do in this situation now? I know what I used to do. And I don't think according to your scripture, that's right. But I don't know what to do now. Lord, would you show me how to live the Jesus way in this situation? That's how personal, that's how close and connected Jesus wants to get to your day-to-day living. He wants to teach you to be a follower of him on the way. And there's one thing I want to say about following Jesus that isn't found in this passage of scripture, but it's found in another at the end of John's gospel. If I can be honest, part of my reluctance to run is because other people are following me. And this might sound bad because they look at me right now and I haven't run a kilometer. But I know they're going to see my terrible times. They're going to see that I'm running like seven or eight minutes for one kilometer or worse. They're going to see that I probably only run like 3K. And they're running like 10 or five, and they're running these crazy paces. And I'm like, man, like, I know I ain't gonna be all that good. The scripture tells us clearly in this passage of scripture in John, I'm gonna read in a second. Like, I'm concerned because I'm comparing myself to other people. And spiritually speaking, we can do that with one another, we can compare ourselves. To other people spiritually. This is what the scripture says. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that his disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but If it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? When we compare ourselves to other people, a lot of unhealthy things can happen. One thing that can happen is this, is that we can think that we're spiritually elite as we look at other people in their relationship with Jesus. If we've been following Jesus for a long time now, and we get a lot of people that are newer followers of Christ, sometimes we struggle because Maybe they don't have the same attitudes and perspectives and opinions and kingdom worldview that we've come to adopt. We follow the Jesus way, but there's an awful lot of people that maybe are new to faith that, or maybe are just starting to come to church and they're not thinking and feeling or, or acting in the ways that we think they should. And what we quickly forget is this. As we're playing this comparison game, we forget the times before we accepted Jesus. We forget that it took time for God to form our perspectives, our attitudes, and our opinions to be like the Jesus way. Now, I would say that that probably doesn't happen as much as what I'm about to say, because this is what I think happens a ton in our relationship with Jesus. 
I don't think we maybe struggle with being spiritually elite in our area because there's a real humility in our community. I think we struggle with spiritually disqualifying ourselves. And let me explain. I think we look at other people in their relationship with God and we say to ourselves, I cannot be like that spiritually, so why bother? I can't walk and follow Jesus like this person, this pastor, this individual. I can't follow Jesus like them, so why even bother? I don't work, I don't, worship like them, and maybe I don't want to worship like them. I don't do the things they do. Like, I just can't do that. And there is a certain measure where we're called to follow others as they follow Christ. But I think this comparison thing is really unhelpful. And that's why I love this passage of Scripture. Because Peter, who was like, he was following Jesus for three years at this point in time. Like, he was sitting under the teaching. He's seen all the miracles and signs and wonders. And Peter himself, the leader of the church at one point in time, was struggling with comparing his spiritual journey with someone else's. And Jesus' instruction was this. Don't look at him. Follow me. Don't compare yourself to him and his journey. I have a specific journey for you that's different for him, that's different from her, and that's different from him. Following Jesus requires focus on Jesus. It's what would Jesus do if he were you? Your answer to the question, it's not what would Jesus do if Jason would do, if Mark would do, if Paul would do. It's what would Jesus do if he were you? Because he's not asking you to run someone else's race. He's asking you to run your race, the race he's set and paved before you. And here in Southwest Nova, we struggle so much with comparing ourselves to other people. It consumes us. How much time do we spend comparing our lifestyle to other people? How, much, how often are we reluctant to do something for good and for God because we care too much about what other people think? And how much I wonder people in our community hold back from following Jesus all in because we're worried about what other people think. And it's actually stopping us from receiving the blessing of living the Jesus way. And I think once we become convinced by faith, assured in our hearts, as Hebrews 11 says, once we become convinced that the lifestyle that God offers to us individually is better than anything else on this planet, we'll stop obsessing about other people because we know we have the absolute best alternative and it's the Jesus way. It's actually following the way he's mapped out for each and every one of us. So it starts with follow. You can start your journey here tonight by making the conscious choice to follow Jesus. Or if you're a mature believer, maybe you're stuck. Or maybe there's something specifically the Holy Spirit has been kind of prompting you. Every time you listen to a worship song, every time you go to pray, every time you go to church, there's this thing that the Holy Spirit is trying to get you to actively do that lines up with his scriptures. And you're like, no, I don't want to do it. And the Lord's like, yes, I want you to do it. Make that step of faith. 
This is the next area of blessing I have for your life. If you're a mature believer, maybe you need to come up for prayer and have someone pray for you to give you the grace and strength to follow through and do it. Because Jesus is alive. He's still calling. He's still moving. He's calling all people everywhere. He's inviting you to follow. He has a whole lifestyle mapped out for you. But you have to make the conscious choice to follow the Jesus way. So I'm going for a run this week. And spiritually speaking, it's my hope that you'd make the next step in your journey. Not just passively, but actively. And it's not always these great big things. Yes, there's times when Jesus steps onto the scene of your life and tells you to totally uproot, and I want you to do something different. But for a lot of us in this room, following is actually that thing that the still small voice of the Holy Spirit is prompting us to follow through with that we've been reluctant to do so. So church tonight, from your hearts in worship, do you choose actively in this moment here on a Sunday night to follow the Jesus way? If you need prayer tonight, please come. We really hope that this message has motivated you to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus and has inspired you to join us in our mission to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova. If you have any questions about the sermon, if you want to know how you can get involved, send us an email at office at coastalchurchns.com. We'd love to get connected with you. Have a great day.